You shall not pass. <laughs> you are listening to the As of Yet No Name podcast. What's up? You are listening to the As of Yet No Name podcast. My name is Trey. You can follow me on Twitter at Trey, the number nine ER, joined today by Kyle Madsen. Follow him on Twitter at MadSports8. Kyle, what in the hell is up? Hey, you know, not a lot. Uh, I'm off today. Uh, it's a Wednesday. Uh, and I'm just um, hanging out. You asked me to podcast, and I know that, uh, that we always have some pretty good conversations uh, over this medium. So I figured, uh, figured why not? I yeah. join even though, uh, even though I'm not charging this time. Right. Well, thanks for pointing out uh, the obvious facts, such as that you're off work today and today's Wednesday, in case our listeners were curious about either of those topics. They now know. Well, no, I know. And and here's my thing is I figure if I start by pointing out the obvious, if I point out something that's not obvious, it'll come as like more of a surprise. It'll be mind-blowing because people will be like, holy crap. That's like, that's not obvious. Not a total idiot. Wow. So, uh, pointing out the obvious again here, uh, the 49ers are not good. They're so bad. They're 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 really bad. I I don't. It makes me wonder how bad Minnesota is, or how many drugs they got slipped at the team hotel the night before that game, mm-hmm. or what? Because everybody was surprised at how poorly Teddy Bridgewater played and how dominant the Niners were in that game. And since then the Vikings have bounced back and looked a lot better. And I've seen good things written about Teddy Bridgewater. So I just can't really reconcile the, the, the polar extremes of this team. I think what we saw in week one was the 49ers coming out amped. Uh, they were at home. There was energy in the crowd more so than I saw at any point last year at any of the games I was at. Um, it was their first game under Tom Sula and the Vikings ultimately Adrian Peterson had what, like 10 carries. Uh, they didn't seem to put the brunt of the load on, on his shoulders. And, uh, in, in what I've seen, uh, granted, I don't dial into Vikings games on Sundays, but, uh, what I've seen since then, they've been making him more of a feature, uh, feature role in the offense. Yeah. And uh, you know, that's kind of a good point because I'm sitting here wondering how much of teams successes and failures at this early point in the season are due to game planning and due to just having uh, almost like getting lucky, uh, almost like hitting the roulette wheel on your game plan. Was, was it a good one or not? Because I feel like, you know, if you call the right game plan and the other team doesn't, it's kind of a chess match, you know, I mean, they come with this, you come with this. If you happen to, to have the rock and they've got the scissors or whatever, then bang, you come out on top. But you know, when, when you guess the wrong way and and there's so much reverse, reverse, reverse psychology going on that I don't know. I just wonder, maybe I'm trying to partially excuse away the poor performance of the Niners and really game planning has little to do with penalties and interceptions and things like that. But, uh, you know, the mistakes that are being made, but I'm just kind of wondering, like, you know, can we see them play another good game because they happen to, to dial up the right thing that week? Well, and what I think, going back to week one here real quick, is sometimes a team just plays a bad game. Uh, and that may be what we've seen from Minnesota, because I don't think they're nearly as bad as what they showed on that uh, on that Monday night. Uh, as far as the 49ers playing another good game, like, ultimately, they're NFL players. Like, they'll put it together. They're not going to lose by, by 30 points every week. Um, God, I but, hope not. Oh, it would be brutal. <laughs> um, but it, I'm expecting it this week, for sure, against the Packers, but... They'll eventually they'll get there. The coaching staff will get their feet under them, and they'll they'll run into a couple of wins. But with with the, with Harbaugh and that coaching staff, I felt like after a loss, it was like okay, they're going to go back. They're going to see what was wrong. They're going to fix it, and they're going to game plan for next week, and they'll play a better game. With well, this coaching staff, I don't think that at all. Well, the weird thing is, is that we used to piss and moan about how. 
you can say the word consistent now in hindsight, but we used to piss and moan about how predictable the 49ers were on both sides of the ball. I mean, you knew exactly how they were going to call the game. They ran pretty much the same plays every game. There was maybe a little wrinkle here or there. But, I mean, the fact of the matter is th- there wasn't really a lot of guessing going on. And it seems like with Eric Mangini, and, and, and I, you know, I haven't really thought too deeply about this on the offensive side of the ball, but it seems like, like with Mangini, I mean, he's just putting together a completely different game plan for every game. At least week one compared to the last two weeks look like completely different game plans. And whereas I think you knew what you were going to get from Fangio week in and week out, like I said, there might be that one play or two where you're like, oh, that's we don't see that very often, but... For the most part, you knew what you were going to get. And I just wonder, I'm starting to really kind of doubt Eric Mangini in terms of his play calling abilities and wonder if he's just one of those guys that's like, well, this is how I've done it. This is how I've always done it. This is how I'm going to do it. And, you know, I don't care if the old way was working really, really, really well. You mean kind of like Vic Fangio? Yeah, well, I mean, kind of (laughs) like it might have been boring and not exotic and whatever, but, you know, the the defense was always top ranked, you know. And, I mean, at what... Like I said, is Mangini one of these guys? And is, does there exist, I'm sure, defensive coordinators out there who outsmart themselves, who just feel like they, they, they take the chess match too seriously and think, I got to fool them on every play, as opposed to, right. well, how about if my, if I just get my guys to play better than their guys? Yeah, no, and I, and I get that. And I think what he's, he looks at is a little bit of a depleted roster. Um, and maybe he feels like his guys aren't good enough to just line up and go mano a mano with the opposing team and, and win those battles uh, because ultimately they've generated not a ton of pass rush. I guess they got some on Carson Palmer last week, uh, but it seems like uh, it seems like Lynch and Brooks are dropping into coverage more uh, when they're both their strengths are, are rushing the passer. And I think that's putting a lot of heat on the defensive backs as well uh, because they're having to recover they're having to cover receivers longer. And uh, I don't care who you are. You can be Darrell Revis. That's hard to do. Well, and it's not like having the linebackers drop back in coverage has, has really helped at all either, you know? Oh. I mean, they weren't doing it last year, and, you know, we weren't giving up big plays like we are this year. So I just, you know, there's a lot of things I don't understand. Uh, we're not NFL coaches. I understand that. We're, we, we tend to oversimplify right. things. But, you know, the fact of the matter is you've got guys who can't cover the guys that they're on. And if the pass rush doesn't get there quick enough, I mean, that's really what it's all about with, with this scheme is you hope the pass rush gets there quick enough that the quarterback goes, oh, man, everybody's covered for at least one and a half seconds or so. And so he has to make a bad decision, take a sack, throw the ball away, et cetera, et cetera. But everybody knows those linebackers can't cover a slot receiver for more than one and a half seconds, if that. So if the pass rush doesn't get there, you know, the quarterback knows he's just got to be patient. And if he can escape the pass rusher, it doesn't show up. He's got, he's got a couple of guys that are going to be open based on who's covering them. Yeah. And it just, uh, I, I think there was something you mentioned early on there about the big plays and that's really what's killed the 49ers. Uh, how many times did they get the Steelers in third and 10, third and 12 and Roethlisberger just unleashed a, you know, 20 or 30 yard pass and, and a first down out of it. And and it's so um, atypical of the 49ers, too. I mean, even dating back to Greg Minuski, the, the, the strategy was always keep it in front of you. We're, it's like I said on uh, the podcast last week, or maybe it was a discussion I was having on Twitter. I can't remember. Um, it, it, the 49ers have always been kind of what I would call a six-and-out defense. They're not necessarily out there trying to, to get you three-and-out. Obviously, they'd like that. But, you know, right. under Fangio and under Minuski, it was what I would call a six-and-out defense. It's, it's we'll let you get a first down. We'll let you get 20, 30 yards down the field, depending on field position. And then we'll clamp down and, and try to make you punt or, you know, uh, tighten up the defense in the short field and force a field goal. So, right. you know, and, and so we didn't see a lot of big plays. And, and you know, I feel like, that's kind of how you have to play, uh, especially when you don't have an offense that puts up a lot of points. You need to play time of possession. You need to limit the other team from from you know getting touchdowns instead of field goals and punts. So, I mean, we we've seen what what's happened two weeks in a row when you when you let the other team put up forty some points. We don't have an answer for that offensively. No, they 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 just don't, and it's and it's just depleting, man. I mean, to go out there defensively. Um, and give up a touchdown, you're, you're putting it on the offense. Okay, have a long drive. Uh, let us make a couple adjustments. But when the offense is throwing an interception or punting, uh, going three and out, uh, and then you're right back out there, um, I, you, you can see it. There's just there, there used to be this intensity about the Niners' defense 
where they just went out and hit guys, and they weren't going to let you take. It didn't matter if they had to go on the field, um, you know, right away after giving up a three and out. Uh, they were going to go out and they were going to hit you, and you just don't see that intensity now. Yeah, it's kind of uh, like in baseball when you make a when you make a bad play and you and you holler, "Pick me up, pick me up." You know, it's yeah. it's uh, hey, you know, make up for my mistake there if you can, buddy. And and you know, it used to be that way because the, both both sides tried to do their part and and you know, for the most part, accomplished it uh, most of the time. But now, you know, I noticed Navarro Bowman doesn't look the same. I'm, I was wondering if his injury was was coming back or something. He he just has not looked the same the last couple of games, and the whole defense as a whole is just kind of like, what the f? Every time they're out there on the field, and the problem with having one side of the ball, you know, uh, not perform is it creates animosity both ways because. Now, you, well, you know, both sides of the ball aren't performing, let's be honest. But, you know, Kaepernick throws a pick six, and now the defense is like, damn, now we have to go out there and try to make up for that. And then they allow a touchdown, and then the offense is like, damn, now we have to go out. So it creates this sort of dissension, and that's the last thing you want with, with this team is, is locker room stuff. Yeah, and I think, uh, unfortunately, I feel like at the rate this team goes, that's going to happen eventually. Yeah. Um, I mean, just the way this organization has kind of been over the last season and a half, two seasons. Does it feel to you, it feels to me like this, does it feel to you like there's just something's just waiting just to hit the fan and just make this a total just joke? Yeah, and I'm pretty surprised it hasn't. I mean, outside of Jim Trotter's comments, which, you know, I laughed off at the time because things weren't looking as bad as they are now, but um, I think this is the perfect time now, especially as they head into the Packers game. And we know that Sunday mornings, is, is, is usually a good time for bad news to come out. Um, that's when guys are in the locker room getting ready for the game. And, and there, we all know that it's predominantly the players that, that are, are, you know, are, are making these comments, either texting somebody in the media that they know uh, your Jay Glazers and those kinds of guys, or whether they're talking to somebody who has a connection, you know, we all know that it's pretty much coming from the players in terms of that stuff. And that's where they are on Sunday mornings. But it's kind of like last year when, uh, you know, all the Harbaugh, Jed York kind of stuff was coming out and the Cleveland trade rumors and all that stuff came out, you know, on Sunday mornings, typically during a skid. Um, so I'm kind of surprised it hasn't happened already. And I would be surprised if it doesn't happen as early as this week. Yeah, it's uh, it's not going to be pretty. And that's why I feel bad because I get jumped on a lot for being so negative. And I could see that when they were, you know, good. But now it's like how how do you how are you positive about this team at all? I mean, what positives are you taking outside of week one? And we all know based on last year, you can pretty much wipe week one off the table in terms of evaluating a team. Uh, well, I mean, you what, can wipe. You can really. I was thinking about it the other day. September is kind of an extension of the preseason, and even if you go 0 and 4 in September you you still can make the playoffs win the Super Bowl whatever the case may be October is where things start to become a little bit more clear but November and December is where you make your destiny i mean that's where you make you could be you could be 1 and 7 heading into November and win out and if you're in a bad division end up still making the playoffs so you know you can throw a lot of this out but uh I totally forgot what i was going to say so continue but so so Going off what you were saying, yeah, the wins and losses obviously still count. You want to win every game. Uh, that's obviously the goal. But, I mean, in terms of evaluating a team and saying this is where this team shakes out and kind of the hi- the hierarchy of NFL teams, uh, you can't look at September and, and judge a team based off that. I don't I don't feel like. Right. Uh, well, but, I mean, the one, the, thing, Niners- the one thing you were saying about positive and negative, you know, being positive and negative about the team, I would say that it, there's, there's no need to be – naive or to ignore the negative that we've seen thus far like what things that right. are think what is is you know so you, you can't be a hater or be negative if you point out the bad things that have happened so far the you know the, the where i sort of try to draw the line is predicting doom and gloom into into the inevitable or you know into the into infinity you know sort of this team right. will never be good they're going on 16 we're doomed you know well, and you obviously can't do that, but what you is nothing certain. But what you can do is look realistically at the rest of their schedule and try and find wins in there based on right now. And obviously, things change because 
if Aaron Rodgers comes down with a severe case of hypothermia tomorrow uh, and doesn't play Sunday, that obviously greatly shifts the 49ers' odds to win that game. But in terms of right now in the moment and trying to forecast, you know, hey, how many games is this team going to win? It's hard to say they're going to win more than three or four games. Yeah. Based on the performance we've seen so far. Not to say that can't change, but man, have they looked bad. Yeah, and I... (laughs) I even thought about it today. Yesterday, I think it was yesterday morning, I asked Fooch if we had a line on the game yet, and he said nine or nine and a half, and I was thinking, man, I think I'd bet Green Bay in the points in this game. Oh, easily, easily. I was I was looking at the Cardinals minus six and a half last week and thinking that was way too low. Um but and that's, that's not uh, lack that's of confidence. That's not lack of confidence. It's just it's it, sometimes I think that way because it's a win-win for me. It's like you know what? Oh, if, totally. if this doesn't happen, then we either didn't get blown out or we actually won the game. And if it does happen, then well, you know, it makes me feel a little bit better. There's there's some silver lining to the loss, you know. All right, at least you made a little money off of right. it. <laughs> so no, it just it, it, it's it's hard because as a fan, obviously, you watch every game because you have this. There's part of you that, well, you want them to win, and then there's part of you that thinks they can win. Well, and you're invested, too. I, that's what yeah. I always say. You you have invested thus far into this team. It, it would be very silly. It would be like, you know, putting all of your, your money and time in, into a car and then, you know, and fixing it all the way up and restoring it and, and spending thousands of dollars and then, you know, putting it in the garage, never driving it, never looking at it again. Right. So you you watch and you brute for them and all that. Uh, but to sit there and, and go, oh, they'll beat Green Bay this week, you got to have faith. Like, no, man, Green Bay is a way better football team than the 49ers right now. Now, that could happen. It certainly could. Oh, I yeah, mean, there's I always the chance. I, it's Again, it's, it's about odds and it's about betting and everything else. Could it happen? Yeah, it certainly could, and I, I don't even think it necessarily would take a you know an injury or an act of God for it to happen because oh. it really is an every <laughs> given Sunday thing, but I can't sit down and point to rational reasons why – you know, we match up against them in some way that's going to make us win. I mean, if you say they're going to win because I have faith and that's the end of the argument, that's great that you have cool. faith. But you're, you're yeah. essentially you're you're saying, I don't know how I you know, I really can't point to anything tangible whatsoever that, that we can do to win. So essentially, it's going to be luck or it's going to be some just weird ass thing that nobody saw coming, you know, which is fine. If that's right. how you, if that's how you live your life, then. You probably don't put money in savings for retirement, and you you know you probably just play the lottery and and uh, whatever. So, you know, but anyway, all right. Well, let's talk specifically about Kaepernick because that's kind of the the elephantitis yeah. in the room from the earlier discussion that we had. <laughs> um, just did not look like himself, and I and I know he's thrown pick sixes before and things like that, but four interceptions and just. It seemed like he was tentative all day long. The interceptions that he threw late in the game, he had so much air into the ball, underthrew it. That like never happens with Kaepernick. He was on his back foot all day long. I I, a lot of people are saying, well, it's because of the protection, and you know he's starting to get gun shy. It's kind of the Alex Smith syndrome. He's not comfortable even when when he does have time because he's always expecting ah. pressure. And you know, I just don't really know. I just know that. He's not that guy often that he was on Sunday. So I have to have my mind has to come up with a reason for it. Here's what I I was really encouraged by what I saw from him in Pittsburgh. He looked great to me to me anyways. Uh, I thought he looked very good. He made a bad throw and he acknowledged that he needed to throw it further outside on the first pick six. And that happens like bad throws happen in the NFL. People are just so quick to want to hate and dislike Colin Kaepernick that every mistake he makes gets magnified tenfold. So when he has a game as awful as he had, it's going to get put way above the past 10 games where he played fine. And so he made the first bad throw. The second throw was he got out of the pocket. He threw it off his back foot uh, and Tyron Matthew read it all the way, the entire way, um, and made a good defensive play. He undercut the route. Cap didn't put enough on the ball. It happens. Uh, and then from there, they went something like, like what was it, like 16 consecutive run plays or something like that, 12 or 16? Like, they just took the ball out of his hands. Right. And I can imagine throwing two pick sixes, your confidence is gone. 
Because in the moment you feel like, hey, I did the right thing and they took it to the house. And now you've got to drop back and do it again. Like, that's hard. That's hard to do. And he made more bad plays because of it. I don't think this is indicative of him as a quarterback. I don't think we can go out and start expecting four interceptions from him every game. He had a bad game. Like, that happens. He's not Joe Montana. He's not Tom Brady. Uh, He's not Aaron Rodgers. So these really awful games are going to happen. But you know, and, better and that's what I've been saying too. Is we've seen the highs too. We can't forget the highs, and and they weren't completely flukes. You know, so you take the highs, the lows. You take all of it cumulatively. Cumulatively, easy for me to say. I swear I'm not drunk, not yet. And but you look at all sure. that and you say, okay, uh, what, what's the baseline? What's the average in here? You know, what's the mean that we can expect? And I think that that's kind of how we have to look at Kaepernick from this point. Personally, I. I feel like we've seen the highest of highs and and we shouldn't really expect for him to be a lot more than what we've already seen. I don't I don't really think there's a ton of development that's going to happen in his game. He may get a little bit smarter, he may get a little bit wiser, he may he may throw the ball less to be honest with you. He may he may run more, he may throw the ball away more. Those those would be improvements just by themselves. Simply not throwing the ball if it's not a sure thing would be improvements and that's probably possible. I don't really believe that he's ever going to be you know in the conversation with the top 10 or so quarterbacks in the nfl i really don't maybe in terms of production if he can you know if he can calm down if he can find some consistency he might produce between running throwing you know all of that touchdown to interception ratio he could have some numbers that 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 touch the top 10 or something like that perhaps but I think that he's always just going to kind of be a highs and lows quarterback. And, and what you got to do is try to get that middle ground from him as much as possible. And then you're just going to have to accept the other opposites, you know, the polar, the, the highs and yep. the low parts. I, I just, and you can still win a lot of games and you just have to hope and pray that the, that the, the bad games don't come at the wrong time. I mean, I just don't really know what else to say, but we need to stop expecting that he's going to turn into, you know, name a quarterback who's who's really great, you know, in all ways. That's I just that's not I don't think that's Colin Kaepernick. I really don't think it will be. No, and I think when you look at the thirty-two starting quarterbacks, I think now with his skill set, physically he could be a you know a top two or three quarterback in the league. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, and then everyone else is the scale that I'm grading this on. Um, but he can't. He 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 can't be, he, and he probably won't be. He's been a starting quarterback for what three years now, and I think we've just kind of seen what we're going to see from him. He's going to fall in in that scale of 32 quarterbacks near the middle, um, you know, 16, 17, 18 range, um, and he'll make plays where it's like, wow, that's the best quarterback in the league, and then he'll make plays where you go, wow, this is the worst quarterback in the league. And like you just said, that's just kind of who he is. And if you, you haven't accepted that at this point, like start accepting it because that's Colin. That's, that's yeah, what you're going to get. It's, uh, my, my hope is that he can turn into uh, almost a – I don't even want to say Jay Cutler's name, but somebody, somebody like that, somebody like uh, you know a, a Donovan McNabb at some point, somebody who you know kind of was a real highs and lows. Hell, even the way they're they're looking at Johnny Manziel right now, I mean the guy is the definition of highs and lows quarterback. But you know, my hope is that he's somebody who just kind of tones it down a little bit. You know, there's still going to be highs and lows, but it's not every game you have no idea what you're going to get. You know, it's okay. Yeah. We're starting to know what to expect. And then every now and then it's, wow, I didn't see that coming. But for the most part, it starts to get more consistent. And I, I just think that's the realistic lens that you have to look at him through from now on. We have to stop expecting that he's going to make a quantum leap and be Tom Brady. I just, it yep. just, n- none of these guys that are the top quarterbacks in the league were ever the runner or the athlete that Colin Kaepernick is. None of them. And it's, uh, it, right. it, it, we almost look at that whole thing backwards. We go, with as athletic as this guy is, the sky's the limit, you know? And, and then you think about it and you're like, you know, the guys that are the best quarterbacks in the league don't have bulging biceps and, and can't, you know, run a four or five or whatever the case may be. They're really smart, you know? Yeah. They make good decisions. That's like, 
the ultimate thing that they do. So, I mean, even look, Peyton Manning's playing at like what 39, 40 years old, however the hell old he is, one hundred and seventy three years old. He can yeah, one seventy three. Yeah. I can throw the football farther than he can at this point, you know. And, and I'm gonna I, doubt that, but that's okay. <laughs> I get, I get what you're going. I get where you're going. With but this. the guy can still win games, you know. It's about right. his intelligence and his understanding of defenses and things like that. So, I mean, if anything, we just gotta hope that that Cap can study enough and that. But then it all comes down to the comfort level thing too i mean there's guys that just they they just can be comfortable with bodies around with chaos and they can get sacked 129 times and they're still just they're like okay that's cool you know it's but uh, every play is a new play you know it's like when you have a shitty hole on the golf course the next tee you're like oh yeah i'm gonna crush this i'm totally ready for this hole you know there's guys that are like that they can shake it off it's kind of like with with corners they say you have to have that attitude too you get burned you got to forget about it and you got to think you're going to make a play the very next play so you know i don't know this I really don't know, but like I said, I think I think we need to temper our expectations, and I think we need to be okay with uh, you know just getting consistency out of cap. So, anyway, yeah, I think I think a perfect example of the inconsistency you're talking about, and and hoping that we stop getting, is his touchdown pass to Torrey Smith was incredible for him to step up and deliver that ball on a line that far down the field. It, right where it needed to be, was sick. There's not a lot of guys in the NFL that make that throw. And then he comes out and has that first pass attempt against Arizona, and it's like, whoa, like what? that's not the same guy. Yeah. It's funny, though, because he has certain throws that he's pretty much always good at. You know, like he throws the seam. And that one down the seam is yep. money. He throws the <laughs> seam and the post, and he throws the, the, the deep corner route you know, really well. And he throws better down the left sideline than the right sideline. I mean, that's just like almost all of his interceptions are on the right sideline. Um, right. Seattle has victimized him on the right side. So it's, it, you know, it's just funny. And it's, I don't know, maybe it's a right-handed, left-handed kind of thing. I mean, we all do certain things better one way than the other. And huh. he's got to yeah, work on that, man. Yeah, <laughs> He's got to work on that stuff, you know. But again, I we got to stop expecting the world but at the same time we don't have to give up on him i mean the hate the hatred and the the 49ers need to immediately think about drafting a quarterback in the first round you know kind of stuff is is a little bit but premature no i i don't think it is and i think that the organization i don't really have a any kind of like facts or anything to back this up so take that's this okay with a grain of, <laughs> i so never take use facts the, so take this with a grain of salt and a shot of vicodin but um I don't think anyone in the organization really likes him. Well, and I think he's seen as a Harbaugh guy. I was going to say, I, I, think, I could see him. Harbaugh was really pumped up about Kaepernick, and, and he pumps up everybody. But I just, I, he never looked like the kind of guy that, yeah, he never looked like the kind of guy that Trent Baalke or Scott McLuhan would scout. You know, Not that either of those guys have ever done worth a shit getting quarterbacks in, whether it's free agents or drafting guys. But the, it, it just he didn't seem like the kind of guy that Trent Baalke was going, look, Jim, I think we should draft this guy, you know? No, and I, I, if I remember correctly, Baalke didn't want to take him. And Harbaugh was like, I'm not, I, this is my guy, I'm not budging from this. If I, if I remember correctly, I could be wrong. But he, it, it just, it seems like they're really trying to get the Harbaugh, quote-unquote, stench just out of the organization. Uh, and I could see, and the way, it's just weird, the way that Blaine Gabbert has suddenly been brought up so often in the media... And the way that Tom Sula talks about Gabbert versus how he talks about Kaepernick in his in his last press conference, uh, it scares the hell out of me that this is kind of the start of the way this organization operates in terms of getting somebody ousted. Um, in terms of just kind of like those really minor, just like maybe a passing comment to somebody in the media that makes him think of Blaine Gabbert and tweet something about Blaine Gabbert and then, Tom Sula is talking about how great Blaine Gabbard is, and and then he comes into a press conference and asks a question about Cap and has to put on the whole, uh, well, you know, he's our starting quarterback, and I think he can be a good quarterback, and da 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 da. Never outright saying like, don't ask, he's our quarterback. Um, it scares me. It scares the hell out of me that Blaine Gabbard's going to be starting for this team next year. Yeah, and if it's a dumpster fire, man. The entire organization's a dumpster fire. It is, but again, we talked about this. It's 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 early, and I, I'm not saying that because I I have hope or hashtag faith or anything like that. I'm just faithful, saying, faithful, bro, faithful. I'm just saying that 
ride the wave. Uh, you know what? It's funny. I, I make a lot of bold predictions, and te- typically it's it's positive bold predictions if it's about my team, and I'm okay with that. But I, for whatever reason, I'm I'm always really tentative to make any kind of negative bold predictions into the future. You know, I mean, I can talk about right. thinking we're probably going to lose to Green, to Green Bay, but I just have a hard time saying I think this team is going to be totally screwed this year. They're going to finish, you know, at four and 12 and everyone's getting fired and yada yada i mean like any of those things i have a hard time saying i really do like it, it's it, call it the homer in me or whatever it is but i'm just like it's early it's early at some point i'm gonna have to i mean last year i even realized at one point like yeah this this whole thing is is coming to an end it just really is you know whether i wanted yeah. to believe it or not but i just can't do it yet man i i'm i'm totally doing it and i'm totally glad that this entire thing is blowing up in jed york's face like I, I just feel entire... bad for I just feel bad for Tom Sula. I mean, and but oh, I, I guess you too. could I guess he's, you could say he's a victim in all this. But I guess you could say maybe he should have known better. You know, he's worked for Jed for a long time. I can't believe he he doesn't strike me as a dumb guy. He might be simple to, in ways, but I he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that that had no idea this was a possibility. So maybe he just yeah. said, "Look, this is my shot. I'm going to get my grab here." You know, I know I can always go back to being a defensive line coach, but I'm going to take the shot. And what the hell? I, I, otherwise, why would you do it? Right, and that's part, to be an NFL coach. Part of you has to have a little bit of an ego, even if it's a tiny bit. Uh, Harbaugh obviously has more than Tom Sula, at least outwardly. And so, if you're Jim Tom Sula, and they say, "Hey, we want you to be the head coach," you're not going to look and go, "I might fail at this." No thanks. You're going to dive into it, and that's what he's done. Not and fail at he, this, but he, knowing Jed as long as he has, and working for him as long as he has, I feel like he should have been like, "Look." Um, Jed could totally screw me, you know, like, and that's probably going to happen. I know he likes me, but he's kind of an idiot and he chased Harbaugh out of here. And I know the kind of back channel shit that he pulled. So do I really want that to happen to me? And and I, I, I feel like he's too smart not to have thought that that was a possibility. So that's, that's why I say he had to just be like, look, yeah, I understand all that, but this is my shot. I'm just going to take it. And who cares? Yeah. And that's what, that's what I'm saying is he, he figured, this is probably the only shot I'm going to get, so I might as well go for it. If I'm successful, great. If not, like you said, you can go back to being a defensive line coach. I'm not blaming Tom Sula uh, because this all, at least from what I've seen and read and heard, uh, this all started at, at the top of the organization. And that's how this entire thing is uh, where all the strings are being pulled. And Jed wants people to hold him accountable, so... I personally am going to do that. I don't know exactly how to other than just to talk about it. But And that's the um, part that sucks. People say, we got to get Jed out of here. Well, good luck, you know? Yeah, and you it, can't. And it's really like people will go to the games, trust me. If if everybody that currently is planning on going to games stops going, it, there's people in line that will just go. I mean, it, they don't even care. A lot of people don't even care about the product on the field, especially – with this stadium and this location, a lot of people are just going to go to have something to do, you know, just to, to be but somewhere not, in a nice forever, suite man. and hang out with people they know and stuff like that. It's a, the general admission seats are the ones that you got to fill. I guess if we start getting blacked out and stuff, or did they, didn't they lift the blackout rule? Is that even possible yeah, anymore? I think, so. I, I think so. But ultimately people will stop going. People will stop. If you don't have a player's Jersey to buy, people aren't going to buy the jerseys. People aren't going to buy the gear. Um, people are already trying to dump their seat licenses. I mean, yeah, people will go, but you're not going to sell that place out every game. Yeah, but we, uh, they got to be yeah. they got to be Jacksonville bad for Jacksonville number of years, you know, uh, to 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 get to the point where they start having empty seats on uh, all over the place in the in the TV you know TV shots. I'm not, stuff I like don't, that. but 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 Trey, I don't think they do. The way this whole thing has gone down. I think people, even even just casual fans, are very aware of how everything has gone down uh, within the last year, year and a half. It's such a just kind of odd story that you just don't see. Like the 49ers are held in such high regard uh, that you don't see them be dysfunctional like this. And now they're very outwardly dysfunctional. And so I think there's a lot of people that are just kind of turned off to the idea of supporting the 49ers. And if they go on like this for two, three years where just nothing really changes and they're they're just winning, you know, five, six games a year, I don't think it's going to take very long for people to just kind of be like, all right, well, I'm done with this. Yeah, well, 
but the, again, you say two to three years, you know, but, but everybody's expectations is like, oh my gosh, two years ago, we were in the NFC championship game. This is unacceptable, you know, and last year wasn't a complete loss of a season. Granted, there was no playoffs or anything like that. So it seems like people, people want heads to roll immediately though, even at the top. And I'm just saying that's not happening right away for sure. They, they really got to wait for the shine to wear off on that stadium um, you know, and we've been through some dark times too. So, and, and people, you know, still stuck around. Granted, they didn't have the bills that they have now with the new stadium, but I don't know. I just, my advice to people is look, the York situation is not going away anytime soon. Uh, you know, if, if you want that to change, you're going to have to hang in there for a few years, but, uh, you know, it's hard to fire an owner. Yeah. And, and ultimately that's not going to happen. And that's why I think people kind of know, like, Hey, this is starting. This isn't a, this isn't a, oh, get the right coach in there, get the right personnel in there. I think people understand that as long as Jed is around, it's going to be hard for this team to be any good. Because for me, and, and you can, you can correct me if, if you think I'm wrong or whatever, but I think to be a good NFL coach, you need to have an ego. I think you need to be kind of an asshole. Well, and I, I think, level. I think Harbaugh fought back enough and to where he at least got his way sometimes. And I guess the question that I keep having or thinking about is, you know, people lump Trent Baalke in there with Jed York, and I don't see Trent Baalke as having a completely passive personality. I think that he's gotten his way on things that he's wanted for the most part. Uh, I I just wonder if is there a GM out there if you say okay, well, but but Baalke's you know he's sided with Jed and he's sat next to Jed on, on that side of the podium or whatever you know. If if you say okay, Balky needs to go too. If we're going to clean the whole house out, is there really such a thing as a GM out there that can keep Jed in check? That can protect the coach well enough? That can if Jed's the no, problem, is there anyone not. out there that can insulate the team from Jed York? Is what I'm saying. But there, but there's not, and I think people fans realize that. And I I I say that because I don't think anyone. And if you're you're a Niner fan listening to this. Uh, and and you fit this mold at me on Twitter at Mad Sports Eight. Uh, I've not seen one person defending Jed York. I've not seen one person going, "Well, Jed did what he thought was right, and I'm backing the team owner." Like, no, people don't like owners. People aren't fans of the team owner unless you're a Patriots fan, and that's just a weird relationship Kraft has with his fan base. But uh, people don't. The owner shouldn't be in the public eye, and. Jed is very much in the public eye, and that's not good for him or the 49ers. Well, it's like I said, though. Harbaugh at least had enough chutzpah or whatever to to stand up to Jed a little bit and to get some of and the things that fired. he wanted. I know. It, it didn't last long, and I think He'll everybody knows that. He'll never bring in another guy like that. But he, and that's that's the problem. Really, that's the problem. We'll, we'll know, and it doesn't matter. We probably already know. We'll know if they make other hires based on the personalities of the types of guys that they bring in, whether or not they're serious about letting people do what they, you know, what they want to do, what they think is best or whether they're intent. I just, who do you have to be to, to be 34 or whatever years old, like Jed York is and, and being a, a businessman who had, has had everything basically handed to you. Who do you have to be to be that guy and to think, I know what's best for an entire football team in all facets. I I don't know. I have I I don't know Jed personally. Uh, I don't I. So I'm not sure. But from what I've seen and what I've heard, there's nobody that exists that is going to say, "Hey, I'm the coach of this team," or "I'm the general manager of this team." Uh, I'm hiring a coach that I like and that I think can help us win football games, and you stay the hell out of this. Because I don't think Jed is okay with that. I don't think Jed's okay with staying the hell out of it. He is going to be hands-on. He's going to be in the public eye, and he ultimately, uh, it seems like, and again, this is all speculation by me, it seems like he wants credit for the 49ers and winning. Do you think it's an unavoidable power trip to be be rich and own an NFL team? Do you think if, if... you suddenly were a hundred millionaire tomorrow and somebody handed you an NFL franchise that 
that it would be too tempting to to pass up <laughs> the the chance to to meddle with things and to think that you knew best to be like, hey, you know, I've watched a lot no. of football, I've I've written a lot of articles and and studied stuff here and there, and it's my football team, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do what no. I think is best. I, I really like. I wonder is it is it a temptation you can't pass up when you're when you're rich and you own a football team? Well, I feel like plenty of guys do that. Like, okay, Robert Kraft. Older guys, very for much, sure. Very much, very much in the public eye. People know who he is. He wears Jordans. But he stays the hell out of football stuff as He's far as I know. He's also 87 years old, though. How many 34-year-old yeah, so, owners, you know? Yeah, that's true. And he meddles in the football stuff. And, I mean, you look at, you look at guys like Al Davis who did that uh, as they got older, and, and it just it, it stops working after a while, and you need guys – that are still in the game, still seeing how it's evolving. Um, and I just, I, I, I don't think Jed knows football at all. And I think he wants credit for what the 49ers are doing. And because of that, I think he'll never have a GM or coach that are ultimately going to give them a chance to be competitive. Well, okay, so we talked about eventually in a few years if enough people stop going to the games and things like that it'll make a difference but for the yorks it all comes down to money at what at what point is it going to hurt them enough from a from a investment standpoint from from a business owner's standpoint that that somebody gets smart enough and says okay um, we're pretty good at managing the business side of things but we're we're killing ourselves we're shooting ourselves in the foot with this with this business that we're running by, by trying to do things that we're not qualified for, you know, it's like having your custodian be the accountant or something like that. You know, I mean, they're not football people. What's it going to take? How much is it going to have to hurt them financially before they realize that they need to put other people in charge of football operations? I think ultimately, uh, because they handed Jed the key. they because, they handed Jed the keys. They were awful at it. They handed Jed the keys. Yeah. He seemed like he was going to be better at it, but I mean, so I feel like they have enough knowledge to know that, that they, they weren't good at it, and so they backed off. But at what point did they realize that their son's not good at it either? I don't, I don't think they ever will um, because I think that the 49ers aren't going to lose enough money to justify that. Um, and Maybe they have enough money a- already too. Maybe they have enough money in the bank and they have they've they have a lifestyle and I mean I sometimes I wonder yeah. when you have that much money and you own an NFL team is it really about preserving anything or do you are you already set and and this is just kind of fun. I think yeah, to an extent I obviously don't know anything about their financial situation but it maybe he'll just have an epiphany. Maybe he'll turn 38 and go holy crap I'm almost 40. My da- daughter is daughter, right? My daughter's growing up. Um, you know, I need to have this 49ers thing be on the back burner. Let me hand it over to a GM and coach that can, you know, do it. He has a son, uh, by the way. It's a son? Okay. Yeah. So he has a son. Um, so maybe maybe that's how it goes. Um, but it just, uh, it, it doesn't look promising. Can we um, get... Having can nothing we, to do with... What if we get a guy that... You know, let's picture this like it's a movie script or something like that, and we're watching this movie. You know, what if we, what if he gets a guy that, that literally like punches him in the face, and and you know he has some sort of epiphany that way, or what if he, what if he interviews a guy that says that that says something to him, some speech to the effect of, you know, you're you're a fuck up and you can't do this, and and <laughs> I can, and you know yada yada, and he gives I that perfect movie what- speech and. And he finally wakes up. Is that po- I think, we think that's possible? I think that's probably what Harbaugh said to him, and that's what got him fired. Well, I would think <laughs> I would think that that you know, strength recognizes strength in a, a little bit too. You know, ego recognizes ego. You know, or whatever. Okay, real recognize okay, so let's, real. Let's go with your let's go with your movie. We'll call it Draft Day, and we'll have Kevin Costner <laughs> star in it. I know uh, it's no, far fetched. No. I'm just saying, can't somebody come no. in and smack the kid upside the head and say something prophetic that'll make him realize this? Maybe, uh, and maybe, and maybe that'll come when uh, Bulky eventually gets canned because the team hasn't won more than five games in a, in several years, and uh, Bulky finally goes and he's interviewing GMs, and finally a GM kind of says to him like, "Hey, dude, like figure it out. Like if I'm going to do this, I'm going to need my coach. I'm going to need my guys." Um, I don't know, but it doesn't look 
I, I got to say, because like you said, can't make ultimately these super bold predictions on the future. Um, I'm obviously saying everything hypothetically here, uh, but it doesn't look promising. I think Jed wants to be Tony Stark. I think that's what he thinks he is. He Who thinks he doesn't want to be Tony Stark. He thinks he's the if guy that he's he's got the money. He and and he's also good at all the stuff too. You know, like Tony Stark makes the technology, but he's also like the best one at using the technology too. And so that's like Jed. Jed, that's what he wants to be. He I wants think, to be Iron yeah. Man, and that's red but and gold it, too. So you know. And if he came out because Iron Man, and Tony Stark, my favorite. No, Tony Stark's my favorite superhero. Like person and then iron man's my favorite superhero um so for for him to to come out and just be like guys i really just want to be tony stark okay i would back him fully <laughs> that's hilarious like, i'm really sorry i'm just trying my hardest to make this stark industry stadium i'd be like <laughs> all right you got it i'm in yeah well that would be pretty awesome like the words but if he keeps screwing things up i mean it's still it's a it's just gonna buy him time that's it because stark wouldn't screw up over and over again stark stark succeeds at just about everything he does so you can't just say you want to be tony stark if you're if you're not walking the walk you know so anyway this team's in trouble right now and like i said i you know, some stuff could turn around. It's really going to be a, t- a test for for Tom Sula and this coaching staff. And I, and and I'm individually, he may have some talent at diffusing situations, and you know, I'm sure he does. But the deck may be stacked against him so much that that nobody could get out of the situation. So I'm, you know, let's all be slow to place this all on his shoulders, uh, and let's remember who put this ragtag staff together. And I don't think any of us think that Tom Sula handpicked the guys that are working with him right now. Um, so let's just keep all that stuff in mind. I know I sound like a complete Tom Sula apologist because I don't think the guy has viciously done anything evil. Uh, unlike Jed. So no, he's just not, a, he's not an NFL head coach. That's not a knock on him. Yeah. He's just I, not qualified to do what he's doing. And I'm sure he has a lot of skills that are good for the position that he's in, but he just probably doesn't have all of them, and he probably doesn't have the right people you know, around. He's got guys he that are... he probably calls a, a running play out of the pistol from the two-yard line. <laughs> he's he's probably got people that are good at like, that are just like him. They're good at some things, but they're not good at the right things, and it's not the right chemistry to put things together. I mean... Uh, uh, soy sauce is good and ice cream is good, but you can't just put them together because they're both good. You know. Okay, hey, um, you sound like you're trying to wrap this up. So can I throw in a conspiracy theory real quick? Oh yeah. Eric Mangini knows that Jim Tomsula isn't a good head coach, and he's working on sabotaging him from the inside so Eric Mangini can take over as head coach sometime around week thirteen. Well, he, your thoughts. He. Has been the redemption story, comeback kid, kind of resurrecting his career, you know, uh, had an epiphany type of turnaround kind of guy or whatever, you know. So, I mean, it's I can't say I've never thought about that before. I mean, some people have expected that he'd be the one to get the job because they knew they were going to – they knew that Jed would probably prefer to promote from within. And clearly, Mangini survived two staffs, so he knows how to kiss up and say enough good things to, to, to keep in favor and not associate himself with – you know, with the previous regime. So I'm sure he would flip real quick if he was given the opportunity. Um, but the question and it would explain why Michael Wilhoit's covering Larry Fitzgerald. <laughs> but it, the, well, the question would be though, is, <laughs> is, is he dumb enough to think that he could succeed in that position? Because this is realistically, this is his only shot back too. you know, I mean, nobody would but, touch him for a long time. Is he naive enough to think that he can succeed in this situation with Jed and with what he's got? I, maybe, like I said, it takes an ego to. Uh, or does to be an he get NFL a pass? Is, is, does he get a pass because he's on the interim tag and he figures no matter what happens, everyone will know it's an impossible situation, and I just stepped up because nobody else would, and it's right. really just a, a, a leap, you know, a springboard into something else with another team. Anyway, that's probably the most realistic situation. Eric Mangini, Niners head coach, by the end of the year, book it. Remember yep. how I said no bold predictions? Just did it. <laughs> I, you know what? Nothing would surprise me at this point. In fact, on uh, at one point on uh, like a year ago, maybe on Niners Nation, you know, we have these little we have signatures in your 
in your tag or whatever the hell it is when you when you post something on there when you comment on something you have like a little signature underneath your name and at one point I changed mine to say nothing should shock us anymore you know and that that applies all the way throughout the NFL but especially with what's going on in San Francisco this year and what's to happen what's to be uh, I don't think we should be surprised by anything I mean I'm talking Kaepernick getting traded and the Mangini conspiracy and and just Lord knows. And speaking of which, and then this will be the last thing. I said it before, and, and I, you know, you're seeing it a little bit with the Bears right now. Uh, you talked about the cleaning house of the old regime, and also uh, probability of success. The Bears are without Cutler for a while. I think they kind of know that this might not be their year. Don't be surprised if the 49ers, after another bad performance or two, start unloading guys. Um, your Anquan Bolden's, Vernon Davis, Antoine Bethay, these kinds of guys. Don't be surprised if they start going with the youth movement, clearing cap space, trying to get draft picks, and and things like that. Um, clearing cap. Yeah, clearing cap <laughs> space. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I see because it's you know it's cap and it's cap. calling yeah. Kaepernick. Yeah, got it. Okay, That's good. Anywhere's caps uh, too. So backwards uh-huh uh-huh anyway so that's uh that's i don't know what else you can really say about the team right now i mean really this is just kind they of stink yeah and and you know don't come at me with the whole gosh i used to like your podcast but you're so negative i can't listen to you anymore i'm not being negative for the sake of being negative okay i mean carlos hyde is a beast uh eric Dude. armstead looks like he could be something down the road um, I'm excited about having Tori smith for a couple more years garrett Selleck, am i right guys <laughs> yeah, right Hey, I mean, can we talk about Josky Tart a little bit? Yes. It, Dude. The guy needs to play more. put on Larry Fitzgerald? Yeah. yeah. He needs to play a lot more. I, I don't know. I don't also know. think Dante Johnson needs to play more. But yep. that's yep. schematic, so we can't get into it. We can we, talk about that for We definitely hour. need to put Johnson in more. That's for sure. So, yes. anyway, uh, that's like I said, it's, this isn't an all-negative stuff. There's good things going on, but we can't not talk about it. We can't not get discouraged. I mean, you know everybody has bad days and and when you have a bad day you don't you don't always look on the bright side from the get-go it takes a while this is part of the process man you got to go through this stuff so uh this doesn't necessarily mean that i hate this team and i think nothing but bad things will happen to them from now into eternity i already covered that i already said i'm uncomfortable with making those sorts of predictions at any point unless we actually become the jaguars or the browns or something like that which is entirely possible but until it happens i'm not going to go there so don't come at us with the whole you're too negative, yada, yada, yada kind of crap. If I start spitting rainbows man. out, we're not going to win any more games. So I'm going to watch, and I'm going to expect good things. I wouldn't be shocked if they find a way to beat the Packers. Okay, well, I would be kind of shocked. but I would be absolutely stunned. Yeah, well, it would be unexpected, but, you know, weird shit happens all the time. So, But beyond that, like I said, I can't rationalize good things happening at this point until it starts to manifest itself so with that being said Kyle thanks for being on the as of yet no named podcast follow him on Twitter at mad sports eight I am Trey follow me on Twitter at Trey the number nine er don't forget I used to have 6500 followers and I only have about 1100 right now this is a national tragedy that the Senate is currently working on a bill to bail me out right now similar to GM and the banks and all the crises or maybe 5,000 people found out you're not that interesting no it's Twitter <laughs> Twitter screwed me over it's uh, they're they're uh, communists and they're trying to take over the social media scape because I'm too real anyway so follow me on Twitter follow Kyle on Twitter keep following the no name podcast it'll show up under Trey Niner on uh, the iTunes we're still the same place as we've always been your RSS feeds have not changed download the show and uh, make sure to check out the sponsors that we don't have and tell them they should sponsor us so that I can make a million dollars and just do this full time. I'm sure we all like that. And li- unlike Jed York, I'll find good people to, to run the operations side of things for me. So with that being said, Kyle, thanks for being on, man. It was good. It was fun. Yeah, thanks, Trey. Yep, we'll do it again. That's it. We're out of here. Seahawks still suck, though. Ooh. This has been the As of Yet No Name Podcast. Tune in next time for more idiotic ramblings. <laughs> <laughs>